Thanks for tuning in to the CoLive podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that CoLive is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's co-liv.org. This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Young Global Living, the platform for your co-living space based on your preferences. With Young Global Living, you can find a new place to live, discover new work opportunities, and connect with other community members all on one platform. Young Global Living wants to make experiences the new kind of living by matching co-livers with like-minded communities and providing co-livers with local perks where location is no longer a barrier. Feel free to look in the show description for more info on Young Global Living, as well as a link to their website, Young Global Living, where you want to be. Let's hop right in to today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Colive Podcast. Today, with me in London, I have uh, William, who is the co-founder of Beehive and also Colive Ambassador for Portugal. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, all the way from Portugal to start up home in London. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about who you are, uh, what's your input in Colive, uh, in Colivin, and in everything that you do. Uh, William is a very experienced person uh, with a great business mind as well. Tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, what brought you into the Colivin, and why are you staying in this industry? Okay, so just a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Brazil, that I was, where I was born, but I spent the vast majority of my life in the UK. Um, I came here quite young and, you know, I pretty much developed my professional career entirely in the UK. What has brought me to, to co-living? I think when I sold my last venture in 2016, I was looking for another area to make a difference. And I think that tells a little bit about my profile as an entrepreneur. For me, entrepreneurship is about making a difference. So I would classify myself as an impact entrepreneur. What's an impact entrepreneur? It's someone that look to invest in business models that have the ability not only to make money, but also to address a particular societal issue. And in the process of uh, looking for this, I felt that I wanted to do something about this growth entrepreneurship that we are having around the world. And I wanted to support that because I felt it was important with the perspective of sustainability because I see a whole new generation of entrepreneurs that are pretty much creating companies that are pretty much, you know, from the outset being designed to address a particular issue. And I felt that was really exciting and was worthwhile to support. But then as I started to travel around the world, talking to entrepreneurs from different ecosystems, they, and, and, and some of the issues they face, the issue of housing came really, really strongly. And that was something that aroused my curiosity and I started to look into what has happened since, you know, I last rented that space because I had already kind of at that stage of my life bought my, uh, my space, I had a family and everything. And what I realized to my surprise that things have not moved on a lot. You know, I moved to London uh, 27 years ago, and I remember that time, it was a really 
massive struggle to find a place to rent. Uh, a place that was not only affordable, but a place that have uh, a reasonable quality. I felt that things have not moved on. And not only that was an issue that was restricted to the UK, it was an issue that was happening not only in the rest of Europe, but also in Latin America and in Asia. You know, people finding that vast majority of the, the housing market is dominated by private landlords, uh, whose, whose motivation is really to top up their income. And it's not about really their well-being or the welfare of the residents. And that's translating to a number of housing issues, particularly associated with the quality of the, the housing itself, but also the standard of services it's provided. I mean, some of the issues we reported, things like fuzzy contracts, people not understanding what they're signing, things like absent landlords, you know, or absent servicemen, people need some maintenance to be done. The service wasn't there. Uh, poor communication, you know, and the housing standards, again, you know, a lot of houses that were being used for shared living, but they really uh, had a kind of uh, a feminine infrastructure, and that caused a lot of problems. So clearly that was an issue that we started to become very concerned. And the other thing that was very, was something that really spoke really highly to us, was that we found that actually in the UK alone, two and a half billion is spent on, on health issues associated with housing. In what way? Mental health issues, health issues associated with respiratory diseases caused by mold and, and things in the house. So there are, there are a whole range of issues that are caused by poor housing. And we felt that we wanted to make a contribution for that. Uh, you know, we wanted to, to set a new standard. And, and that was when the idea of Beehive Living came to the fore and we started to, to really consider going to that, you know, massively. Talking about Beehive, obviously you are the co-founder. I would like to know a bit more about Beehive. How did it all start? Well, you kind of like told us a little bit your reason why it started, but then how did you come about? How did you come up with the name? How did you find your first, you know, property? Where are your co-living places? Who is your community? And pretty much what the plans for Beehive are? I think, you know, like the first thing I would say that, you know, we came to, to the world of, uh, of property investment and, and, and the rental market with a very different mindset. I think for a lot of people that I met that were kind of doing property investment and that are working shared living, you know, shared living or property investing is a means to an end. They, they do that in order to, to fund their income or to, to uh, as a means top up their pension or as a means to achieve financial freedom. But for us, the, from the beginning, shared living was actually the end. It was about a purpose, not a job. We've pretty much set an organization, we want to create an organization that would, whose vision was like to empower, to take shared living beyond shelter. That would have a tangible impact in people's lives by designing spaces and building communities that enable individuals to lead a, a more connected, a more a healthier and more fulfilling lifestyle. And that set us on a very different path to, to many, I think, operators at the time. I mean, if you think that the average kind of co-living company has about three years, we have four. So we are pretty much kind of right at the beginning of that movement. And what we set, what we saw is many operators that Pretty much, they felt they were primarily addressing, a, um, I would say, an affordability issue. For Beehive, it was different. For us, we, we really felt we're addressing a quality 
and a health issue. So one of the things that, uh, one of the insights uh, that we've, we found that was very inspiring for us, uh, but also, also very concerning right at the beginning of our, of our journey as, as a co-living company was that 80% of someone's health outcomes are associated with three things. One, the choice of who you live with, so your community. The second, the standard of the place where you live, essentially your home. And the third thing is the environment that surrounds you, essentially your neighborhood. For us, from the outset, we've really um, find that we want to make a difference for this. And that's why I, I said that we are pretty much looking to address a quality issue and a health issue much more so than, than perhaps an affordability issue. So for us, that, that puts us, as I said, in a very different path. For instance, we had to build our spaces. For us, there wasn't a choice of simply uh, kind of looking for a property in the open market, retrofitting to, um, to a very minimal extent, and then that passing that to the consumer. For us, that wouldn't address some of the pain points that we really kind of fundamental pain points that we want to affect. In, um, in people's lives, which is the, the quality of the space the, the, and, and the choice of people they live with. So pretty much we started the process of putting the organizations together, put a look at the ideas. But for us, I think that the choice of location is very important. Uh, we, want, we, we decided from the outset that we're not going to build initially very large spaces. We wanted to, also because property investing and real estate and construction was new to us, we wanted to kind of really kind of do a deep dive into that, but really start from the beginning, really experiment with several elements of the product we create that, and how that would translate into the, in the sort of uh, intended purpose that we have, which was really impacting people's health and well-being. So we look at 17 locations across the UK. Um, we look at things from, from the makeup of that community. We look at you know, um, the standard of the spaces. We look at property prices. We look at, you know, um, at the, the urban planning uh, framework for the area. And after looking at the 17 areas, um, we decided to choose Oxfordshire as the, the place for our, for our prototypes. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, I would say there are many reasons because it was on one of the, the areas we chose out of 17 and we have several criteria for that. But one of the, the, a couple of areas that I would highlight would be that first is that in Oxfordshire, we found that there was um, a very strong corporate hub of expats, international expats, from, uh, that had, you know, from very sophistic sophisticated industries like Formula One. And one of the things we felt, okay, these are individuals with a very kind of, um, we'd expect to be very kind of, um, I would say, consumers that are kind of very demanding because they, you know, everything they do is associated with quality. So I said, it would be great for us to really test these prototypes with someone like that. And also they understand a lot of technology. One of the areas we wanted, how we wanted to disrupt the, the sector was by bringing a lot of technology, not only in the construction process, but also in the operation element of our, of our spaces. So we decided to focus there. And the second thing was actually uh, that 
also because these individuals were from abroad they really felt a need to to really have a soft landing solution in the area but also to connect with other people who had spent time already in the UK and that would help to ease the process of them of the onboarding to a new country and that has worked really well for us so I would say these individuals have have been really kind of um, crucial in helping us to really develop who Beehive is today. So the vast majority of our spaces are there, and but now we are looking, uh, we have four spaces, but now we are looking to grow not only in the UK, but also internationally. We feel we have a business not, not only from, a, we have enough understanding of what the product is, the construction process that we need to get to this product and the experience that we we want and uh, we want our, our customers to have and we feel now we want to work with value align investors to bring that to the fore but one thing that i would say we are really proud in terms of that journey is that fast forward four years what we see is that more than 90 percent of our residents come to us primarily for the quality of our space and the second reason a point is actually the the quality of the community so we are really proud of that and more importantly than that fast forward you know like four years we are very proud of the fact that uh, the vast majority of the, our residents uh, tell us that the number one reason why they they come to us is one number one the quality of our spaces number two the quality of the community and and the the third aspects that we're really really kind of proud of is the fact that they say that after a period of time living with us which is usually about three months we have been able to have a significant impact on their health and well-being which is something that we're really proud of well that's very good thank you for telling us all of this story but um you haven't yet told me how did you come up with this name and obviously Together with the name, you also have a very particular color scheme and everything. It's in, in line with the kind of branding you are, you are uh, building, which I think is, is very beautiful. I mean, I came to see one, uh, two actually, of your uh, co-living spaces in uh, Bester, yeah. right? And uh, they were like one of the that you were finishing. So I, I was also very lucky to see the whole process and for you to take time to explain everything and screw some light bulbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, wh wh where is the name coming from? I mean, wh why Beehive? Yes, uh, you know, this was something that we really kind of uh, thought about. And actually the name came to us very na naturally through, a, through an experience. Essentially, this is actually a funny story. My wife and I, we are renowned for, we are very fond of plants and nature but we are not, not very good at looking after them. Okay. Uh, so we decided to enroll in a course to help us to become better at kind of, <laughs> at least making our plan to survive our space. So um, we enrolled in the course, so we went to this gardening course. And at one point, uh, Silva asks the, the, the teacher, so, so how do you know we are doing, you're doing things right? you know how do you know your garden you know is a thriving garden and things will survive we already kind of expect us to fail but we said oh, you know that's when to check whether whether we were on the right track and and she told something that was really inspiring to us it was like she told her like if you want to know that your garden is really healthy 
you have a really healthy ecosystem, is you know that when you have bees coming to your ecosystem. So for us, that really resonated for us. We wanted to create an ecosystem that you knew was healthy. Um, and and, and that not only that it was healthy, but also that had that sort of impact on people's lives. And that's where the name comes from. Now, the color, the yellow of Beehive, as we started to explore, you know, how we can use design to influence people's health in the built environment, you know, we went, we did a kind of a very deep dive into things like biophilia, which is about how to reconnect people with nature through elements of design, and through that kind of induce a sense of health and well-being. And one of the things uh, we realized that actually the happiest color, actually the color that actually induces in people a sense of health and well-being is actually yellow. So, and that pretty much kind of connected with the whole thing of bees and the beehive. So, you know, that was decided right, right from the beginning. So that's the story. Nice. Thank you for sharing. So Coldplay were right when they said that it was all yellow, right? <laughs> yeah. They have a point. Chris Martin knows it. Um, okay, um, I'm going to go into my next question and moving a little bit away from focusing on Beehive and your company and everything. Uh, I'd like to take a bit more of, a, let's say, global and uh, overall through the industry view on co-living. Um, what opportunities do you see in the co-living scene and how do you think co-living, you know, developing can develop in the future um, and what kind of innovation maybe uh, you are uh, either looking for or waiting for or working on. Because before when you talked about Beehive, you also mentioned about technology, which you use and carry on on implementing in the building and in the running and in your community and in everything. I think I'll start to answer the question, uh, you know, kind of reflecting on what I think can be the potential uh, that um, co-living or the contribution that co-living can make to the world. I think it's no su surprise to anyone that uh, you know, by 2030 we're going to have almost two-thirds of the world's population live in the urban environment. And the urban environment is actually uh, one of the causes of a lot of the the environmental and climate change issues that we have. Real estate has a massive footprint. We account for more than 40% of the world, world, the world's greenhouse emissions. So I find in co-living a way of us living more efficiently, efficiently in cities. So that's, first of all, is the kind of the, perhaps the, the first contribution that we can make. So you see co-living co-living operators and anyway what we are doing in co-living develop even further and maybe be of a stronger present in city and urban areas i would say you know co-living can be a solution for urban areas also for rural spaces i think i would say even after this pandemic i think we're going to see a lot of people moving outside city centers uh, so i think that's a solution that can be can be applied throughout the, the built environment. But what I would say is that where the greatest opportunity of making a difference is, is in the cities. Okay. Because we want or not, the vast majority of us are still making that choice of wanting to live in cities. 
So secondly, I think, you know, um, one of the, the, the biggest opportunities in co-living is to really uh, to tune in, 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 in its social value. And I think we have a, um, a very interesting momentum happening right now. And why would you say that? Despite the calamities of this, this, this pandemic, uh, this, this life-changing episode ended up being good, being something good for co-living, I would say. Why I'm saying that is because it has proven that co-living not only can be a counter-cyclical strategy, what I mean by that is a strategy that works even in, in the situation of economic downturn, which is a, is a looming situation for all of us, but also co-living is an extremely resilient strategy, you know, and one that has the ability to really kind of impact in people's lives, even in a situation as dramatic as this pandemic we're going through. Um, you ask anyone that has spent the last three months of lockdown in London, in London alone in a flat, I would ask them what would be their preference, to stay alone for that three months or stay in the context of a of a health nice community and I think most of them I would imagine would say actually I would prefer to have been to be in company to have other people who can collaborate and support me through a very very challenging time so I think you know there is a recognition right now that co-living has this social value and that is being recognized not only by uh, the customer but also by investors that are pretty much uh, looking at, you know, what is the next big thing in the context of a, of a, of a real estate or particularly a situation in which a lot of the huge strategies that have been very successful, like hotels, like service apartments, are, are simply not working right now. But I think we need to be, to be very cautious uh, in terms of how we kind of engineer the growth of co-living. I think we have a, a massive opportunity right now. We are s starting to see institutional investment come into, into co-living and many institutional players wanted to be part of this growth. But it's important that we, we make the growth of co-living about substance rather than volume, about, you know, about uh, quality rather than, than size. And I think that's extremely important because what we have seen is that, you know, in co-living as soon as we have seen that with student housing, as soon as institutional player comes in, it all becomes about density and size. Mm -hmm. And that, which is okay. We, we need a solution that is scalable to the housing situation that we have around the world. But also we want one that doesn't propagate the problems of the past. Mm -hmm. If we grow without the quality that we have, but also we need to be really uh, looking at sustainability very seriously as a solution, not as a constraint. I think if you look at real estate, uh, you know, in the past few years, I would say the past decade, our sustainability interventions have been primarily about, you know, energy reduction um, or energy efficiency, uh, water consumption and things associated with that. I think all of these are important, but they are a tiny part of the equation and, and, and the potential that we have to make a difference. I think sustainability in real estate and co-living needs to become more about the 90% of the equation of the impact you can have in sustainability, which is really about the individual. 
It's really about the impact you can have in the individual by building and delivering health communities. And that's how we can make a massive contribution going forward. Another point I would make about the importance of making that about um, creating health communities and spaces is because that is, it's, it's, to me, this is fundamental to investors, particularly because the, the key drivers of value in PRS in real estate, uh, in PRS in real estate, essentially four, rent value, occupancy rate, contract length, and, conven and con convenient strength. And for me, all of these are enhanced by us creating, choosing to create spaces that people want to stay in, they feel proud of the community apart, but also they feel that these spaces have a really positive impact in their lives. I wouldn't see why they wouldn't want to stay to pay more for it. Actually, there is a lot of research in the UK confirming that uh, uh, renters are willing to pay more for a space that they found to be healthy, a space that they found that really adds positivity to their lifestyle and, 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 and their overall sense of happiness and well-being. What about innovation? Uh, and also some sort of technology or anything, big part of Beehive, I think it's going to be a huge, huge part of uh, co-living and any type of housing in the future. Um, you know, all the younger generation, uh, I'm, I see my goddaughters, they are teenagers now, and, you know, they, they literally do anything and everything to an app through a tapping. They want everything very innovative and technological. Um, what kind of innovation are you either working on or are you waiting for? I think, no, that's a, v a very valuable question. And I think one that I think before I answer, I would, I would like to set the context for this because like in real estate in general, we are massively behind all the industries when it comes to technology and innovation. Real estate is the least digitized industry in the world and the one that invests least in technology as a percentage of its, of its GDP or, 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 or economic footprint. And therefore there is a huge in, uh, importance uh, attached to how we start to apply technology to every aspect of, of this industry. In Beehive, we have been right from the beginning kind of starting to use technology, uh, not only in terms of how we manage our spaces and how we empower consumers to use, to be, to be sustainable. For instance, we have an app uh, in which uh, essentially it empowers uh, our residents to pretty much not only personalize the temperature of their, of their private space uh, through the app, but also we have sensors in our, uh, our unit. So as soon as, as soon as someone leaves the, that particular unit, they don't have to remember to switch off or switch on the energy of, of that particular unit. The system switches is, is, is off and they can also kind of make sure that reflects the lifestyle by actually uh, scheduling how they want to use their space, you know, for the foreseeable feature or for a particular uh, a particular amount of time. Let's say if we go on holiday, they can pretty much say I'm going to switch off at that time and I'm going to return on the 15th and they already scheduled the system to return to the schedule they had before. So these are really empowering consumers to kind of 
having uh, to make to make sustainable choices. But I think one thing I'm particularly excited about is it, it's about modular modular construction. I think we need to build uh, to to build uh, things faster, but also uh, things that will last longer, and also by designing building and undertaking part of the building process outside the, the, the site, we can reduce you know, uh, the impact we can have in nature in that community, but also we can be a lot more, I would say, um, thorough into how we build some spaces. For instance, you know, doing things like snagging or, or really kind of designing, executing uh, you know, the whole uh, you know, area of kind of electrics and plumbing in a way that you know that we in a way that not only we do that in a way that's good for the environment, but also that en enable us to think of the user experience in a much more kind of meaningful way. Uh, the other thing I would say that's one thing that we are playing in behind that I think is going to become important is it's is home automation. At the moment, a lot of operators and PRS operators, we use kind of different systems for different things. And I think, uh, I think what I'm hoping for, and I think we're starting to see solutions, is, is, is to see solutions that enable us to integrate uh, all these, these solutions into one system. For instance, at the moment, we have, we have one, one solution for, for the property management, we have another one for community management, we have another one for energy efficiency. And what we'd like to see is one solution that is able to bring all the system to work seamlessly and that enhances the, the in a way that enhances the, the user experience. But I also would say that, you know, throughout history we have had, um, as a society, we have a tendency to, to really put a lot of our hopes into technology for how we can improve our lives. And I would like to remind ourselves that actually co-living is about people and relationships. There is no website, there is no technology, there is no application that will, that will ever replace uh, the importance of any operator or, or investor in terms of having people that are really passionate and that are really kind of interest in really creating a great community. That, that's not about technology, that's about people's motivation and, and, and having, having people that have finding co-living a purpose rather than a job. I love that. I don't know tech as much as a lot of people do. You know, I live in a house full of techies and, and I love that because I'm learning so much from them, which is another great thing about communities, right? Like you, you, you gain and you give strength to each other. But I am, I, I've, you know, I'm a child of the 70s mm -hmm. and I used to dream of a tech world because we used to watch it in these movies. They were talking about the future, right? Which uh, it's, it was nowhere as close as what we actually have right now. Now is even better. But I remember like many, many years ago, many, many years ago, I used to think like, how amazing would it be if I could be somewhere, I could press a button and my heating at home will come up. So I go home and, you know, the house is hot. The, the, the room is warm or, you know, I can program stuff. Just, it doesn't matter where I am, right? With the touch of a button. I was watching a video from Lewis Hamilton uh, that he posted a few days ago uh, in collaboration with, with uh, one uh, mobile provider 
uh, very strong on 5G. He was playing music with someone else in another part of the world and his piano through 5G and his piano keyboard would move when the other person would move. So he would see exactly what the other person was doing and I was like, wow, like where is technology gonna go? I definitely agree on the fact that, you know, co-living is about people and relationship and there's no technology that can replace that. Uh, you know, nothing at all. I'd like to close in a sort of way our podcast and I don't want to take uh, much more time of you with having a little chat about your involvement, uh, you know, in the co-living scene with Colive. Uh, you've been a part of Colive for a very long time, M- much, much longer before I arrived, actually. I would like to know from you what potential do you see for the co-living ecosystem and what mark do you, and I guess Beehive as well, want to leave? Uh, I think I started answering this question from 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 the from the from the end. I think it's very clear in our head in terms of the legacy that we want to leave behind. We want to set a different standard in shared living. For us, it's not about having thousands and thousands of units. It's really about having thousands and thousands of hivers that are really connected to their community that have a, a great sense of who they are and that have a very kind of healthy and fulfilling lifestyle. That's what we are about. Um, That's beautiful. From the perspective of uh, Colive, I, um, as you rightly mentioned, I have been involved in the organization for a while. You know, I attended the second conference of Colive in Paris. And straight away, I reached, I reached, reached out to them because I felt that that Colivi needed a, a sort of industry body for a number of reasons. One is a, a strategy that is still pretty much in its, in its infancy and it's still defining itself. And my concern is that people, and it's, it's already happening, you know, a lot of people are starting to misappropriate what Colivi is and say, is this and that. And I think, it, you know, I think we need to retain. And I see Colive as, as almost this organization that kind of ho- holds the, the system and is able to kind of really kind of be a guardian of what Colive stands for. And I think we are doing that and we are starting to do that more and more effectively as people like yourself, extremely talented, extremely passionate, are coming to the organization. The other thing is like, we, there is a lot of people who don't know what Colivian is. It's something rel- really new. And, and I think it's important that we, as people that are passionate about this and that, that, that decide to dedicate their lives to co-living, that we make sure that we educate the market what co-living is and what is not, that uh, we lobby for changes, particularly in urban policy in, in several countries, so that we can create the conditions for co-living to flourish. And finally, uh, it, it, it's about supporting, I think, a whole generation of entrepreneurs that are coming to this ecosystem to really kind of go there, out there and deliver on the potential that co-living has. And the potential, as described, is really about creating a new type of living that can somehow influence the direction of housing the world going forward. And the way I would finish this uh, is by saying that, to me, you know, 
the business not of business is not business. It's about the, the, the business of business is about shaping the direction and the condition of the world we live in. And it's by aligning ourselves and coming together through Colive that we can achieve that. You know, as you said, I'm super passionate about Coliving. I, I feel very strongly the education side of Coliving. You're right, a lot of people don't know what Coliving really means. Uh, you know, what is the difference between, like you were saying before, a standard house share, what we are trying to do. And I also felt very much that Colive was the association that was going to be able to actually, you know, propel us into, um, into doing this and into educating the whole ecosystem and everybody who is new into it and to kind of like set some sort of standard, if that makes sense, throughout the world, because obviously we are a global association. But what I wanted to ask you is, um, has, you know, how, how has Colive, if it did, helped you reach your professional goals? And if so, do you have any personal or exterior success story that you would like to share? So obviously you've been involved with Colleague for a couple of years now because the last time was, you said you met them in uh, when they did the conference, right? Yeah. When they did a conference in Europe last time and that was 2018. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I have been involved in Colleague for a while, not perhaps as long as two years because I reached out to them, it took me a few months. Yeah. But let, I will share a little bit of a story about the power of Colleague and the power of having an organization that can kind of represent somehow the, 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 the kind of the Colivian ecosystem and movement. Um, you know, uh, as some of you know, I, I decided a couple of years ago to actually to move from London to Lisbon. Arriving in Lisbon, I realized that, and as I started to talk to people about the, you know, Colivian and started to try to understand the potential it had on the market, I realized people had no idea what co-living is and and you know I was talking about co-living people talk to me about co-working I'll talk about co-living people talk to me about student housing I'll be talking about co-living people talking about all sorts of things so there was a need for for someone or some organization to come in and really kind of preach and, and, and kind of promote what co-living is and the benefit it can bring to the market and I, what I realized very quickly that as, as the co-founder of a private organization, you know, as soon as you start to interact with the government, you know, uh, or other players into the ecosystem, the real estate ecosystem, all of a sudden you go very quickly into a, a situation of conflict of interest because people think actually, you know, you're promoting this as, so that you can benefit somehow. And I didn't want that. I really felt that for behind it to grow in that particular country, I think we have to create the conditions for it to grow by doing all the things I have mentioned before. But I need, I need, you know, I need to represent another organization that wasn't behind in order to make that 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 work uh, happen more effectively. And that's when I reached out to, to Colive. And I remember one of the first ideas that I had: Yupon become an international ambassador, in particular of Portugal, for Colive was actually to create a pre to instigate a presentation with the support of the the developers association of portugal bring the you know all the major uh, real estate players 
which about 200 in Portugal to present that that's what Colivin is, that what is not, that, that you know that's the potential it has to contribute to, to the market in Portugal. And initially the idea was to do something with about 40 people, was just kind of to invite out of that 200 to 40 people and 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 and, and then it started small. We started to promote the event with one week we already had 40 for attendees. Two weeks later we had 60 and we had to change venue. Another week later we had 80 and we had to change venue once again. And then we ended up in a situation that we had more than 140 people attending. That's very fantastic. Very senior players, like from not only the private sector, but also from the public sector that you want to understand what sharing living is, what co-living is, and what, what it, can, it can bring to the country. So that was the beginning of a journey. And after that event, that it was extremely successful. And the other thing, in that presentation, I was extremely, extremely privileged and lucky to, to be at the time collaborating with Matthias Howitt, who is one of the biggest names, one of the most talented co-living architects in the world, uh, in, in considering uh, projects with him. And then he came all the way from New York Wow! to actually deliver that presentation for me, which actually tremendously enhanced the value of that, not only to, uh, to the residents, but also to, to, the, to the audience that was there, but also the impact that we could have throughout Portugal. And after that, we started a journey in which, you know, that year, I think I, I, I took part in about seven national conferences. And by the end of that year, we started the year, I remember my first conference, uh, the, the Minister of Housing of Portugal was speaking and for, for her, you know, we, we chit-chat just before the conference and she had no idea what co-living was. And we finished my last conference of that year, she was the keynote speaker. And she was talking about co-living as something that she wanted to promote as a solution to the country, particularly the young generation. Of, of renters that you know are finding very hard to afford places and find quality spaces in Portugal. And that for me was, you know, it was nothing to do with me personally, but was, you know, the tremendous success that Colive has helped me to achieve in that year. And you know, that was the result for that. So that's a, a bit of a story. That's, wow, like I'm speechless. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, just like that. Well, one year, one year of work. Uh, well, I know, but I mean, that, that is fantastic. And thank you for doing that. Um, so you mentioned a few times that you are, uh, you have a very strong international impact. There's a lot of the event, a lot of the events that you organize, uh, especially now because of what happened with COVID went, you know, um, online. And so you have a lot of uh, international attendees to your to your events and when you put your webinars on but uh, you are based in Portugal and you've been actively our ambassador in Portugal how can people get involved in your initiatives maybe what are you planning to do and you know how they can reach you yes absolutely in terms of Colive I mean you know uh, first of all I think I would say that you know we are very grateful and lucky to have people like yourself like Guy like Matt and many others that are really kind of propelling this co-living movement and co-live to a whole new level. And, you know, bringing, an, an, uh, you know, such a drive energy and, and purpose into it that's really kind of making it 
very easy for us as operators to really hold a lot of the discussions we need in order to, 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 to grow our brands and, and, and our work. I really commend you for what you are doing. In terms of kind of reaching out, listen, I'm a very accessible person. Just reach out through, through um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Williams Johnson Motor, and, or you can find us, me through Beehive Living. Just go to our website, uh, www.b-hiveliving.com and you can also find me through that. You know, there is a number of people right now looking at, actually, I would love to create my, my first co-living space and they don't know how. So that's one of the things I'm trying to make also a contribution is to try to support others by either through formal or informal uh, mentoring, but also through, um, we are working through Beehive Living with a number of institutional uh, investors and developers that want also to set their foot into the co-living, but they, you know, they don't either understand the operational side or they're trying to understand what are the right locations. So we're also supporting uh, a lot of these organizations, not only in the UK, but in Portugal, but also elsewhere in, in, in Latin America, you know, to actually making sure they minimize any sort of mistakes that you may make in the process of setting up your first co-living space, but also making sure, you know, like, you maximize the success and the impact you can have. So please feel free to contact us. And, and finally, kind of uh, through Beehive Living, we have some ambitious plan to continue to grow, not only in the UK, um, but also in, in mainland Europe. And, you know, please reach out if it's something that you feel you want to do with an organization that has had a lot of experience doing that. Uh, not only in the construction process, but also managing, you know, and building successful um, communities. That's very good. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I'll put all your details in, uh, you know, all your links and everything in the episode description. Um, with regard to Colivinster, so as an ambassador for Portugal, uh, what are your plans for the next year? And how can someone maybe approach you to be involved into that as well? You know, in, in, in Colive, we believe in, you know, empowering people by bringing them together and collaborations and having maybe not just one ambassador for a country, but a team of ambassadors as well. So what's your plan with regard to Colive as well for the next uh, foreseeable future? To me, I think one of, as you rightly said, Kate, I think one of the, the most important roles of Colive is actually to be a convening place for everyone that, that is excited or wants to be a practitioner of co-living and part of this movement. Of, uh, therefore, like in Portugal, I think part of our plans for next year is to continue to grow the ecosystems, continue to do the meetups, but also there are having more people that, have, that make a tangible contribution. We already have you know, organizations with which we as Beehive Living kind of uh, associate ourselves and we um, and have, which, which have become our partners in, in, in Portugal. For instance, there is the ladies from joining Coliving. They are, they are a consulting outfit that specializes on Coliving and they have been really supportive in helping us to, to, to reach out to different communities and, and, and interested parties in Coliving, but also to, the, to organize the events. Then we have the Developers Association of Portugal that have been promoting our events and organizing events with us, but also we have organizations like JAL, Kashim Wakefield, and many others that have been part of the, our journey. 
and you know continue to to lend their support to us and you know I, I I would like to take this opportunity to really thank them for for their contribution but I'm really excited that hopefully you know COVID-19 allowing us you know having the conference the international conference next year I think this is going to be a much large event we have a much greater com international community now so I really feel you know we have been a long time apart from each other and it, it, it's time for us to to convene in into one space and really kind of celebrate you know the the journey that we have been through together and the prominence that Colive is growing uh, is achieving um, but also to exchange knowledge. It's so important. As I said, we're still kind of defining who we are as a, as a strategy and, a, and as an industry. And finally, I think my personal ambition is invite Colive to, in 2022, to have their conference, their global conference in Lisbon. Guy and executive team, I think this was a message for all of us. Okay, we'll take your proposal into consideration and put it through the board and let you know. It's about doing, Kate. It's an invitation. It wasn't like trying. A suggestion. It's like, okay, hey, you're coming there. 2022, Lisboa. That's it. Done. Done. Already. Let's put it as a branding down there, out there. Yeah, thank you very much for everything. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a super busy person and you're already looking at your diary because you're running late for your next appointment. Thank you very much for being here and for sharing all of this with us. We'll see you in 2022 in Lisboa then. Yeah, absolutely. Bring on. Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the co-living movement. To check out the CoLive membership that will allow you to connect with other leading co-living professionals or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to colive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode. <laughs>